Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Howdy, I am Steve Abramowitz and this is the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state and our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community, this time his community, with special guest, Mayor Jim Hageman. Welcome to our People in News, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with Jim Hageman. Hageman, 58, is a U.S. Air Force veteran and has served as a volunteer firefighter and worship and youth leader in the community. He has also previously worked for Vanderbilt University and Nashville General Hospital. From the Daily Herald, April 2021, by Jay Powell, Spring Hill has chosen Jim Hageman as its new mayor to lead citizens into the next four years with a vision to change the trajectory of the city regarding key changes facing the city as of late. This mayor's, this year's mayoral and alderman elections drew many new faces entering the board of mayor and alderman, while many long-serving members stepped down, including Mayor Rick Graham, who served for 13 years, and Vice Mayor Ann Worthy. Worth. Hageman took the mayor's seat after securing 1,796 votes over his opponent, incumbent Ward 4 Alderman Vincent Fakwa, who garnered 1,219 votes. 60-40, folks, that's a landslide. Keep those numbers in mind. We're going to talk about that in a second. As the numbers continue to filter in at City Hall on Thursday, Hageman's early response upon learning of his victory was, I was going to leave it up to God, whatever was going to happen. I'm thankful for everything because I believe if it's bad, there's something you can learn from it and you can pass that learning on to anyone who is near and dear to you. I take that approach because I'm a man of faith and it's very important to me because I pray about it to accept the hand I'm dealt. If I were dealt the hand of being the mayor, I thank God and all of the people who helped me along the way. If I wasn't elected mayor, I would accept that because God is bigger than any of this and is looking out for the big picture. Hageman said he's excited to be elected, thankful and grateful for all of the people who helped him along the way. Hello, Mayor. I'm excited to talk to you today. How are you? Hello, Hello Steve. I am great. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, intro. I uh, I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard that since probably the week after I was elected when people would share with me. I, I will tell you that I was, uh, you know, when you, you get brief and you go into politics, that uh, the media is really not friendly generally. And um, for them to print verbatim all of the things that I said, was especially with reference to being a man of faith, I, I loved it. So that's how we roll in Tennessee and and this these parts and just a nice welcome right there. So all right. Well, we give the press a lot of a, a, a hard time on the show when they do that. So we'll have to make sure Jay Powell is given his kudos at the Daily Herald for uh, calling it like he sees it. Powell. Yeah. All right. Well, great. So tell everyone first, um, maybe who don't know this from out of Tennessee, what a weak mayor system is. So most municipalities in Tennessee, when I say that, the exceptions would be large cities like Nashville and Chattanooga and Memphis, and there are a few other ones, Jackson. Um, they have a strong mayor system, but other, most other municipalities have a weak mayor system. And basically what that means is that the elected officials are are not full-timers. They are people that have jobs usually full-time and they uh, respond to the office and do the work of the city as, as it comes in. And so what they do, the weak mayor system, they have, uh, they hire what's called either a city manager or a city administrator. And 
Spring Hills case, we call it a city administrator. Managers, administrators, same thing. Um, and that person, whoever he or she is, they actually run the day-to-day -day operations of the city. So in the weak mayor system, we have three people in Spring Hill. We have three people that are our direct reports. So that is the city administrator whom we hired, the city judge, and the city attorney. And then the city administrator, he or she hires the department heads and then the department heads, you know, they hire their whoever they want to get in their department. But the mayor in our charter, the mayor is welcome to certainly and encouraged to uh, be a part of the hiring process with the department heads. Okay. Uh, if you have a ability to tilt your camera down a little bit, we'd love to see you below the chin too. Um, do you... Uh do it differently than say most of the mayors who are um the weak mayor system i i think they probably don't consider this their full-time job i think they probably have outside jobs because it doesn't pay very well number one but number two it's not that busy do you do it differently all right so in the, uh, so again in the weak mayor system um since it's not a full-time job it's not something you make a living at so you don't make six figures or high five figures in well, definitely six figures in the major cities. Um, so most people that are mayors or elected officials, they have full-time jobs. I, on the other hand, um, I, even though it, I don't get paid as a full-time person, I'm a public servant. I do this because I want to help people. I want to be a representative for people. So because I have the time, since I am retired from my, uh, my careers, two careers, I come into the office every day. I work on weekends, I work on nights, and that is just so I can just be engaged in the community as 100% as possible. So I, right. I love it. I love being, I'm here in my office now. I, most other elected officials at this time, and it is about 1600 hours, 1610, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, and um, they're probably finishing up their day on their day job right now. And I bet if we lined up 95 county mayors in front of us, uh, they wouldn't have a suit and tie on like you do. But that's OK. That's what makes you special. I had one on earlier today, too. OK, uh, Rutherford and Mari counties, they joined seven other middle Tennessee counties to rank in the state's top 10 for growth of wealth. Uh, smart asset study shows Mari County fourth place for growth in wealth. That's where you are, which also coincides with its ranking as the fastest growing county in Tennessee. According to the 2020 U.S. Census, that's now four years on, with a medium home value increase back then of $240,000, people, that's a quarter of a million. Tell us about the voters and demographics of Maury County and the voters there. Well, let me preface that. Thanks for the question. But one thing that's very unique about Spring Hill is we are divided into two counties. Oh. Into Williamson County, which is the most, I think, affluent county in Tennessee. Um, but it's one of the ones, uh, like the six most... It's in the top 10 of the most affluent counties in the country, um, I believe. Anyway, Murray County, so Spring Hill, specifically to Murray County, yes, that is, as you said, I have read that as well. Um, the demographics are, uh, a lot of times people, they get tired of the politics and the what goes on in other uh, non-blue states. <laughs> I mean, blue states, I'm sorry. Uh, so we have a lot of people that come in from California and a lot of people that come in from Illinois, for example, um, and they come here to Springfield. It's okay. You can say Washington on this show because that's where I'm from and that's where Steve is unfortunately sitting. The District of Columbia, <laughs> Washington, D.C., not necessarily the state, but we're talking about D.C. Am I right, Steve? No, the state, the state. Okay, well, I was going to go there next because, yeah, I've been, 
I've been all over that state. They do have some good hiking spots there. That's true. Anyway, um, so Murray County. So because it, this is a this is a designed uh, a a area in the state um, in the country where people want to come because of the politics and because of the cost of living. And so the people that are coming here, they have a lot of usually a lot of capital because it's more expensive. The cost of living is more expensive out there, so they take their capital and are able to compete not even compete, pay cash for a lot of the housing. Of course, you know, if there's supply and demand and there's a lot more liquid out there, um, the prices of housing goes up. So as prices of housing goes up, it becomes more expensive to live here. And that's an unfortunate trend because one of the greatest things about Tennessee, specifically in Spring Hill, it has been the cost of living. But unfortunately, that is going up. It's uncontrollable on both the Williamson side as well as the, uh, certainly the Murray side. The Murray is catching and with the Williamson side, and um, it is a desirable, an incredibly desirable location, all of Middle Tennessee. Um, but it's still, like compared to Franklin, just up north of us, and then of course north of that, you have Brentwood. It's still, with, with regards to the cost of living, the best bang for your buck down here for square footage and house, as well as if you want a big yard, one acre, five acres, and plus, the best bang for your buck here compared to those other cities. That's true. And we had the former mayor of Brentwood, uh, Ray Little, on here, and he yeah. said almost the exact same thing, only he's not catching up. We're all catching up to him. And where I live in Franklin, oh, my gosh, forget about it. Okay. So next door <laughs> next door to you, uh, Mayor Joe Carr, a Republican who won his seat in August 2022 also. Uh, Rutherford County, beautiful place. They crafted a resolution that the county commission adopted in December to tell state lawmakers that, quote, growth should pay for itself by allowing the local government to have the same authority on development taxes and impact fees that governments for Williamson, Wilson, Murfreesboro, Smyrna, Laverne, and Eagleville possess. Um, how do you feel about that? So there's, I, I've done studies and research on growth pays for itself, yes or no. And there's so many people on different sides of the fence on there that people that seem to have authority that have written a lot of, there's a lot of literature out there that says, and they defend their uh, posture either way. Uh, for me, uh, on well, the, the Rutherford County mayor, um, uh, he, uh, I'm not 100% in agreement with growth pays for itself, but what I am 100% in agreement with is that the city lawmakers, in other words, the elected officials, they should make sure that they levy whatever is going to the impact that the, any development is going to occur, that that developer, that development pays for the infrastructure and the hiring of police officers and firefighters and additional city staff as the population increases to take care of that. If the roads need to be widened, if there needs to be built roads, that needs to make sure the city lawmakers have to make sure that that is paid for what I, I call that responsible growth. And in the nice. city of Hill, we do have uh, a laws in place where we can assess, we call them impact fees. Okay. So the burden to pay for the new schools, roads and other infrastructure has mostly been on the existing property taxpayers. Sadly, that's how it works, especially in a state like this, no income tax. Uh, the car said that. Mayor Carr wants to avoid another property tax increase, like the nearly 16.2% hike he recommended to the Rutherford County Commission in his first year as mayor to eliminate a $64 million budget deficit that he now contends came from paying for growth. Um, no income taxes is, is, is good 
for workers, but maybe it's hard on government. Do you believe a California Prop 13 type property tax cap should be imposed statewide to prevent things like the 50% overnight hike Carter and Sullivan County homeowners uh, tell me they, they got hit with? So I'm not very 100% familiar with the Prop 13 in California. What I can tell you is that as a as a spokesperson for the people of um, Spring Hill, I believe that strongly that you have to pay the piper. And who's the piper? I mean, it's biblical that you pay Caesar, you need to pay your taxes to Caesar. Now, as a mayor, I do not ever want to raise taxes. I'm not an advocate for that. I don't ever want to burden taxpayers any more than they already have. I want them to have as much money in their pockets as they can to be discretionary with their funds. That being said, bills have to be paid. And so how are the bills paid? Well, the city of Spring Hill and different cities do it differently. They're, what are their revenue generators? Like for example, um, Gatlinburg, their main revenue generator is tourist dollars. In Spring Hill it's property tax and it's sales tax. And so um, if I was gonna raise property tax, if I was gonna be an advocate to raise property tax, i.e. you know, on your homes or your, prop, your land, uh, I would never, be an advocate for doing that unless all other avenues were exhausted and the avenues are be you need to have creative finances there's so much money out there big buckets of money that you can take advantage of ie or eg grants at the state level as well as the federal level that's just an example of if you if you go after that money and you do it you cross your t's dot your eyes because there's a lot to it you can get a, a lot a lot of that money to defer the taxes that normal citizens incur. And I'm one of those normal citizens. I live in a very modest home and I never want to see my property tax go up, but I am a realist as well. And so when, as inflation goes up, you still have to pay the people that run the city that are on full-time staff, FTEs, full-time equivalents, to, you have to pay them a decent wage. And how are you going to do that? You have to buy fire trucks, you have to buy police cruisers, you have to buy cherry pickers. And how are you going to do that if you don't have enough money? So my objective is always to make sure that the citizens are served first. And in this case, with regards to money, that the taxes come as a last resort. But I would I would not say put a, tax, a cap on taxes because who knows what the future is gonna be. So if I say, hey, I wanna pass a resolution or an ordinance say taxes are capped at you know, 3% uh, and inflation goes to 8%, then we're way behind the, uh, the power curve. So that's a dangerous posture to be in. I think that is more rhetoric and it's not realistic. Um, I'm not a- And that, that, by the way, is you just described Prop 13 in California, where it was capped at a certain rate that that has maintained for 40 years. It kept that property amazing, but they just repealed it. So obviously they outgrew it and they couldn't do it. Um, in 2021, Washington, Tennessee, everybody, there is one, uh, Washington, Tennessee County Property Assessor Scott Buckingham said reappraisal will be this year. 2024, and until then, this was back in 2021, property values will continue on 2019 estimates. So here we are five years later, and reckoning of all this growth is now, today. A lot of surprises coming in the mailbox and sales uh, likely to follow. You said um, you, you kind of have your eye on inflation, but those folks in Carter with a 50%, that's more than inflation. Do you, have, do you foresee any numbers that they're being talking about it in your in your um, aldermen and women's meetings uh, that people could kind of say like, well, at least it's not that bad or, oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible. Like 1%, 10%, 20%, so no percent. Let me go back to the cap thing because perhaps this may have a play in it. 
Um, if you, there are people that we have a large retirement community in Spring Hill, uh, a lot of geriatric population here. And those men and women that live in Spring Hill that do not have the means to keep up with inflation sometimes as it goes, I do believe in capping their property taxes as long as they, he or she stays in that dwelling uh, at what, whatever it is. And I do believe in capping um, like their water bill, for example, their utilities at that because their income stays the same. They don't get raises like most of Americans do. And it is a disservice to the geriatric population that I represent if I were to say, um, you know, uh, an assessment was done and your property is now worth, it was $100,000 when you, but now because of the growth in uh, the liquid that's in here is uh, now, now 200,000. So it's a hundred percent increase. It is not fair, I believe, and I would be a fight for them to not have their uh, taxes raised in accordance with that new assessment. It's not fair. And that, that's also a Prop 13 thing that until the sale happened, the new owners had to pay a fair value assessed, but the original owners going back generations, they didn't have that problem. Um, I agree with that. that. In Washington State, where I come from, they I saw this where people who were second generation in their home were taxed out of it because the McMansions were going in nearby, property values were going up, and they couldn't afford it on their little salaries. You know, she happened to work at the dog store, which the pet store, not exactly something that's going to keep up with the mega million Microsoft mansions. Um, Mari's taxes on development date back to winning state approval in 1991 and 2000. These growth taxes generated about $3.7 million in revenue in 2021-2022, according to the TACIR report. Mari's adequate facility taxes, however, are inadequate in providing sufficient revenue for growth. Your predecessor, Mayor Butt, said these people are coming in, moving here, and they immediately need services, said Butt, who views her county's adequate facility taxes as being out of date. Like other counties in the state, there was a time we were begging for people to come to the county. Do you agree with her? In part, uh, I do and some I don't. Um, I would say that uh, in my uh, in my existence in 24 years, I've lived in Spring Hill for 24 years, and the exponential growth that has occurred, uh, which has driven up prices amazingly so. Um, again, the people that have been homesteaded here for all their lives, generations, uh, in, some increase is okay, but to drive them that they're not able to pay, that is not fair, and I would never support that. Uh, Murray, Spring Hill, half of Spring Hill is in Murray County, and I think, I, I'm not certain for this for certain, and Mayor, but we are friends. <laughs> I, I believe uh, that um, one thing that one can I take just a moment to say one thing that people may not know is that uh, in Murray County and Williamson County, I don't know if it's like this in other places, but the schools of Murray County that are in the schools of Murray County and the schools of Williamson County, they are paid for not, they are ran by the county mayors. So Mayor Butt runs Williamson County schools and Williamson County schools really need uh, income because they are behind with the growth that expected in Spring Hill as well not in the county, the rest of the county, Columbia and Mount Pleasant, uh, Kalioka, the growth that's expected down there, they do not have enough schools for the expected growth. And they do not have enough money to build the schools. And so the reason, part of that reason is because um, planning that was not done to fund these. And so 
everyone is playing catch up to some degree. So I agree that um, if you're going to have people move here, you need to fund it. And how are you going to fund it? You know, that's creative. But I also agree, and this is a strong, and when I, when you read your introduction of me, and thank you again, Steve, uh, I, on my campaign platform, it was to change the trajectory of Spring Hill. And the trajectory that was going on was all of the growth that was occurring did not um, incorporate infrastructure and roads and water and sewer and things like that. So I believe that all of the count or growth that is occurring are scheduled to occur in Murray County and Williamson County with schools. All of that has not been taken into account to plan for that. So how do you do that? Will you stop? Are you slow the growth? Are you make sure that the growth is responsible? And part of that responsibility is to make sure that impact fees pay for those things. I don't know this for certain, but I believe Murray County, uh, one thing that they did not have in place, they Murray County as a county did not have impact fees. And that is a big money gen revenue generator for Spring Hill, because we do. And I think Mayor Butt rightly so uh, tried to pass a law, or encouraged to pass a law to have impact fees so that to help pay for schools and other things in Murray County. And I believe that has failed. And I do not know why that would fail because that is a, like a no brainer to me. Why would, if you want to grow and you have to have schools and roads and water and sewer and the people that are going to um, impact that, i.e. the developers, why would somebody say, no, nope, we're not gonna allow that? I don't know, that's bad. Okay. Well, I, I should, preface for everybody who don't already know this, there is such thing as a city mayor and a county mayor. So Maury County has a mayor. I said predecessor. She's not the predecessor to the Spring Hill mayorship. You, That was that other person I mentioned. She is the Maury County mayor right now. Um, and there are 28 public schools serving 17,969 students as of last count in Maury County, Tennessee. There are 12 private schools serving 2,490 private students. 88% of all K-12 students in Murray County, Tennessee, are educated in public schools compared to the Tennessee state average of 90%, so right there. Schools are rated pretty good, but EA Cox Middle is at 6% math, 7% reading, <laughs> Mount Pleasant Middle, 10% math, 15% reading, both bottom 50%, obviously. Fifth through eighth grade, how do you feel about Governor Lee's vouchers? Uh, how will they work for you in Spring Hill? So uh, I will tell you that uh, with regards to Murray County Schools, um, they have a, the test scores that use examples that you cited. Um, business owners are aware of it. So elected officials are aware of it. Being Spring Hill as well as Mayor Butt and the other city mayors that are in Murray County. Um, so we are currently we are trying to be as proactive as possible to raise those scores so that it's more attractive to live here and, and not. That's secondary to that the kids that the school serve have a better education so that when they go out into the world, they're better uh, suited to do the things that will get them a, a, just a better life, basically. And so uh, we are partnering with um, Murray Alliance. Murray Alliance is a, it's a, it's a chamber of commerce, the county, and that's located in Columbia, Tennessee, which is the county seat. And so Mayor Butt and uh, Murray Alliance and others, Jim Hageman, uh, we get and the school superintendent, uh, Miss Lisa. We get together with the local business leaders to help get out the word to help them help the students out. Ultimately, 
do better in schools. And it is a, it's a, it's a program that is, um, that a lot of people is gaining a lot of traction so that not just school people are involved, the local businesses who want to, their kids to succeed. There's a lot to that program and it's, it's very, very cool. I'm a very strong supporter. Thank you, Murray Alliance for doing that. Uh, it's an awesome thing because the kids are the most important as far as I'm concerned to serve. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I cited the middle schools. Um, uh, Mount Pleasant High is a little better. Math, 14%. Reading, 34%. So not doing great. And for those who want to Zillow it, because it is such an amazing place, M-A-U-R-Y is how you say Murray. Don't look for Murray like uh, uh, the odd couple. It would be M-A-U-R-Y. I took a little while for me to learn that, and they, they would point it out, my California accent. Okay, Murray County, Tennessee Public Schools have an average math proficiency score of 26% versus the Tennessee Public School average of 27%, not much better, and reading proficiency score of 28 versus 30 statewide average. Schools in Murray County have an average ranking of 6 out of 10, which is in the top 50% of Tennessee Public Schools. So Tennessee is bad. Murray is a little worse than bad, I guess we could say. Um, so when elected, you said you were looking forward to taking the reins, bringing the new members of BOMA aboard, that you can tell people what BOMA means, and getting to work immediately. You did it. This includes addressing issues with city staff, particularly hiring a new city administrator, as well as reviewing each city committee and getting to the bottom of the issues. How is that going? So yeah, that all factors in of my main platform um, stance, which is should change the trajectory of the city. And the trajectory of the city incorporated, in my mind, uh, putting the right people in at the right place. Some uh, some uh, staff changes had to be made uh, for that to for that to be facilitated, and that has occurred. It is still going on, uh, which with regards to staff, and that means that uh, because of the growth, there are some shortages in staff in some of the departments, some key departments, and there are still some leadership roles that we're uh, scouting out for. But I am very happy with the fact that our new fire chief, for example, we hired a new fire chief and that gentleman, uh, Chief Tempo, is, that was one of the staff changes that had to occur. He has just taken that department and has just made it exemplary. Uh, I believe that the United States of America is going to say Spring Hill, Tennessee Fire Department is all that. And that's because of Chief Tempo. When I say Chief Tempo, that's just one guy, but he, part of his leadership style, which is like mine, which I love so much about him, is that he's a team player. And so the guys that he has retained or new people that he has brought on in his department has made that made that department all of that. And so that is just one example of some of the things that are going on with regards to staff. Um, and uh, That's so great. Yes, sir. You said also through experience where there is a problem, as with Spring Hill's unrestricted growth, which we talked about, you are trained to determine the root cause. I've always been a person who does a lot of what I call RCA or root cause analysis. Yeah. Uh, did you get to the root cause? Uh, there, Well, the root cause, there's a, a couple of different factors. And one of them is uh, one of them is uh, past, uh, let's say, line of. Uh, line of thought or line of thinking, line of leadership. And, and it's not necessarily uh, these people are, are uh, they're, they're, if they're set in their ways or that's just the only way that they knew. And so when you bring in fresh, uh, fresh people with ideas that are beyond 
other than uh, what is always been channeled, then um, you can help alleviate some of the issues that are going on. So I, I don't want to say anything. It's important that all the people that served, whether they were on staff or whether they were an elected official, those that served that are no longer serving for whatever reason, um, that they were not at all bad people. It's just that the root cause is that the way that they were doing it was not working to serve the citizens holistically. And so okay. that would be the root cause. Okay. So there is also a glimpse of hope that the new board, BOMA, can take over where the old board left off, whose work was often described as playing catch up to correct past mistakes or allowing growth and development to happen too fast. Has the ship been corrected? The course has been corrected and the course and the course correction still is occurring. Um, it's a uh, it's a slow process, but it is a process of you know, I, I read a book one time, it says, if you have a goal, make sure that your goal is achievable. And and when it's achievable, you need to have benchmarks. And as long as it's always moving forward, and sometimes there may be a little bit, bit of backsliding, but it cannot be so measurable that's devastating. So as for me, uh, being having some military background and things like that, I am, and then in uh, civilian, when I was a civilian, not in government uh, management, uh, I was more, uh, in tune with, if there's a mission to do, you get her done. In government, I have learned that um, it doesn't go as quickly as possible. So I'm, I wish that were not the case, but I'm satisfied or I'm content that the course correction or the ship is sailing in the right direction. Maybe not at 17 knots, maybe just at 0. 0.7 knots, but at least it is going the correct way. Yeah. yeah, it takes a long time to turn a battleship. Okay, so, and an aircraft carrier, which a city is. Uh, you said the bottom line is the city wants different leadership or fresh leadership, as I've said in my campaign. This is going back. The trajectory of the city has been unrestricted growth. I campaigned on smart growth, and this growth has not been well-planned growth. You first ran for mayor in 2013, 11 years ago, and one thing you found interesting about the second round of campaigning is that the many of the same issues existed today. Having new leadership on board, you believe, uh, will be the first step in creating the change citizens deserve. Is the team you're currently working with now the right ones to get that 0.7 up to the 11 knots? Uh, I think that in all organizations, whether they are non-for-profit, non non-profit, for-profit, all government entities, all incorporations, all LLCs, um, there is, uh, everybody has a, a values and visions, statements. Um, not everyone, regardless of your intentions, are not 100% on board with uh, perhaps the way it should be. So I am satisfied that collectively that the team that I get to serve with is on board with serving its citizens for the right reasons. Okay. That it is a board, not a di not a dictatorship. So yeah, you're right. So that uh, said, always an outlier or two in any company. Again, any group of people that uh, have different have a different value system or have a different agenda than what I feel is serving the citizens. But okay. said again, back to the team collectively that I served with. Uh, is awesome and i'm blessed and i'm honored to do it and that team includes not just the elected officials but the staff as well 
Okay, so you joined every you, you joined four new aldermen. You have uh, also newly elected Jason Cox in Ward One, William Pomeroy in Ward Two, incumbent Kim Gavigan in Ward Three, and Trent Linville in Ward Four. BOMA attempted multiple incentives to attract more voters, including increasing the number of voting precincts as well as extending voting hours. Graham promised that if the voter turnout exceeded eight percent. He, along with Spring Hill Police Chief Don Bright and Fire Chief Terry Hood, who you said is not there anymore, would receive a pie in the face. The final official numbers, as it turned out, seemed to exceed the 8% goal, with more than 3,000 voters showing up at the polls. Uh, the Maury County Election Commission will have the final official tally, uh, So, but it's still about 3,000. I looked at that. 3,000 votes cast 9.45% of registered voters in the city. Do you think the 90.5% of those that didn't vote are happy it worked out um, good for them with you and the other four? Uh, and did the pie get put into the faces of those four? Because they did, you did beat it by 1.45%. Well, uh, yeah, that, like you said, there was incentives and um, there has been historically in Spring Hill uh, voter apathy um, a lot. There have been people, the minds have gotten together, research has been done to figure out why does this occur? And nobody can put their finger on it. As a result of that, they've tried incentives and there's that's still going on. We are currently actually in the middle of a census right now, and we are only at 41%. Our numbers should be higher. Don't know why people don't participate in that. But um, I wish they would. And if you are watching this, please take your census and please go to vote. Even if you don't vote for me, it is a civic duty, a civil right, and I strongly encourage you to do that It's because it's awesome. But the bottom line answer to your question, Steve, is that um, I feel I get I get almost every day I get a citizen or two or three or sometimes I get a good day where they I'll be in a restaurant or just driving around and uh, on my phone, my email, they'll say, hey, mayor, great job. You know, thank you for doing what you do. You know, you're doing the right thing. And then there are some heavier hitters that are in the community. They say the same thing. Uh, so uh, I do feel that that, you know, the fact that the board that we have in place now is good for the citizens. Now that said, that doesn't mean that there are the naysayers that are out there. I mean, you know, uh, thank goodness or not thank goodness, but it's too bad for the advent of the internet and Facebook and other social media that um, they spread a lot of hate. And as a as a mayor, as a person, as a Christian, um, I would rather spread love than hate in any venue. And um, yeah. Well, if you're not part of the 9.45%, you shouldn't be doing that because you had your chance. Um, and that's actually a recent record. Um, let's see, what did I write here? Uh, da, 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 da. Because the vote turnout for the city was higher than outgoing Rick Graham expected, he was to take a pie to the face on the steps of City Hall. He wagered that the voter turnout would not break the 8% mark like the previous two Spring Hills elections. 5.7% turnout in 2019. Ugh, and 7.7% in 2017. Um, so yeah, you guys did move the needle. Did he collect that bet? So, okay. So yeah, so um, there were three people that said they would get to pie in the face. One was Mayor Graham, one was Chief Bright, and one was Chief Hood. And Mayor Graham took a pie in the face, which I actually put in his face. That's <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it works. You can Chief make Bright, a bet, you got to cash in. Chief Bright, who is the police chief and the acting police chief in also, Chief Bright, if you ever watch this, you're awesome, sir. Uh, Chief Bright did take a pie in the face as well. And Mayor Graham, I believe, put that pie in his face. 
uh, Chief was, was conveniently on a call or something like that for the entire two days that we were trying to get a hold of him for that part. All right. Well, it didn't expire. I think statute of limitations is forever, so you can still do it for charity. Um, Will you a pie in the face? All right. If it didn't work for moving voting, or did a little bit, we can still do it for charity. Okay. Um, all right. We're almost out of time here, but I had a question. So your old boss at Vanderbilt, uh, Bosses, got in trouble last year for gender-affirming care to minors. Um, you still a proud alumni of Andy after all that? So I, I uh, um, uh, medical doctors and the medical, well, medical doctors, when they go to medical school, they take the Hippocratic oath. And my interpretation of the Hippocratic Oath is to be a protector of life, to be a protector of, I mean, there's a lot there's to it, but the bottom line is, for time, I could really go into this subject, but uh, I I think it is a tragedy that the United States of America allows that kind of procedure to happen for people that, for citizens that are underage. because they're cognitive and that is a life decision that is made. And I would never, I would never, as a medical doctor, I would never undertake that procedure. If I worked for a company that said, hey, you must do this, I would resign my position for that. I would, that is a something that is I'm 100% against. Yeah, I left my beloved Trojans under similar but different circumstances, but I'm sure they do that too at their children's hospital. There's just too much money involved. Um, is there a children's hospital in Spring Hill we should look closer at? Spring Hill does not have uh, does not have an active hospital that has beds in it. We do have an emergency room, but we either go south to um, Murray County Regional Hospital or we go north to um, Williamson Medical. Or we can't go further north at Vandy or... TriStar or something. Um, so I will say this, sir, is that you asked me, am I still a proud alum of Vanderbilt? I am in, again, in all companies, uh, there is good and bad in all companies. Um, Vanderbilt does some amazing things, um, but uh, I think that they lean more on the left side of the spectrum than the right side. And I lean a lot, I lean a lot further on the right than Vanderbilt usually does but they do have some amazing things. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I've heard that type of comment before. Top priorities for Spring Hill are focusing on smart growth. We talked about that. Properly equipping the police and fire departments. Sounds like you did. And ensuring greater livability by addressing traffic and infrastructure issues and preserving open spaces. Like any small town in America that's growing too fast. A long-awaited roadway project could be making headway with the widening of State Route 6, or more commonly known as U.S. Highway 31, that's part of a 10-year plan. Uh, what else is in that 10-year plan, and will widening it be good? Um, they plan. Do they plan to toll it? So uh, Highway 65. We're Sorry, in, choice lane. It not. They're not allowed to call it a toll. So Highway 65. So June Lake is a 775-acre development. It's a mixed-use development that's in progress, being built right now. And the main thing that's uh, arterial road that's going to service that is. Buckner and then Highway 65, which will um, give a bypass, or not a bypass, a uh, interchange. And that is being built right now. It is scheduled to be open by TDOT in late this spring or early the summer of this year. We're excited about that to watch it happen every day. Um, that will alleviate a lot of the traffic that's coming. That's That'll happen. That'll be in, pro- in use a lot sooner than in 10 years. We're talking in maybe 
six months or less. That'll be okay. um, in addition to that, uh, those are state projects and sometimes city projects. We we gave $30 million for that, or we, we will be giving when we're all paid for it, $30 million towards that $55 million project, just that uh, for the interchange of 65. Highway 31 or State Route 6, um, that is going to be widened from basically where Murray County is north all the way up to 840. Uh, that is on the 10-year TDOT plan, which is a new, which is a new program for them. What is really cool for us as taxpayers, we were, I was talking about creative financing earlier, and usually cities have to pitch in a portion. This is, will be funded 100% by Tennessee Department of Transportation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, taxpayers. And when we when we put that news out there, because Highway 31 is, you know, it's horrible. Uh, but when we put that news out there, hey, we're finally going to get this happening. So the naysayers, the outliers came and said, well, why do you have to wait 10 years? Why can't I wait 10 minutes? And, you know, it goes on. But um, the good news is, is that that's firm and that's, uh, but there are other roads, arterial roads that we have that are uh, not state roads that we are, we, the city is uh, widening and uh, mitigating the traffic issues that we have. And that is occurring right now as well. Okay. That's General Motors employs more than 5,000 people in the Spring Hill area. General Motors employs more than 5,000 people in the Spring Hill area. It has helped Tennessee become a car manufacturing giant and been credited for much of the Maury County area's boom. Uh, do you have thoughts on Ford outside Memphis or the electric vehicle tax breaks Nashville gave them and the cobalt mining going on in Tennessee? My count, there's 14 mines in development for cobalt, the dirtiest stuff on earth. People don't know that. And it goes into the EVs. Um, what are your thoughts on your biggest employer there, General Motors. So Blue Oval City is what we finally know it as in the Memphis area with Ford. Um, General Motors in Spring Hill, as well as we have now have what's called Albion Battery. And uh, in, in the past year and a half, or I'll say the past two years, uh, over between those two companies, uh, over $5 billion of investment has gone into them by General Motors and uh, Albion Battery. That, um, that is an international venture international being country of South Korea. So all of those jobs that are coming uh, is great for the economy of Spring Hill and the Middle Tennessee area. But my thoughts specifically on electric, if I, uh, I'm not a fan of, honestly, I'm not a fan of electric cars right now because there's the infrastructure, there's not enough infrastructure in place to support them. As a former firefighter, volunteer and medic, and, and as I talk all the time with my uh, fire chief, and other, when we go to different uh, events, all firefighters pretty much that I've heard 100% is that electric cars, if they ever catch on fire, you really can't put them on unless you have a fire hose, a fire hydrant hooked up to it to continually douse them. So you just, the the uh, uh, the offenses are the uh, way to get a fire hose. They basically just let them burn out and they clear everything else out. That's not a good way. That's not safe. Um, but if you are a, a consumer and you buy an electric vehicle and you want to travel somewhere um, and there's not a place you can stick your charging plug in other than your garage because you're out and about, there's not enough infrastructure in place to support electric vehicles right now. They're really cool. They're fancy. They got a lot of doodads and bells and whistles. I like all that. And that's really awesome. But um, I would, I am not a supporter generally of electric vehicles only because of the infrastructure that is not there. So when I talk about smart and responsible growth for the city, that to me, the electric vehicle thing is not smart and responsible uh, products. Okay. 
Last question. Spring Hill is conducting a special census you mentioned to get an up-to-date population count for the city. Since the last census in 2020, the city is estimated to have increased in population by around 10,000 people, according to your website. Uh, they say this could earn the city an additional $2 million in funding. Only 18% at the time, you said 40 now, of population completed the census. Is the $2 million at risk? Uh, by a deadline if they don't do it? And why do you think they aren't participating? And maybe if you explain what they gain by being counted, they might actually sign up if they listen to the show. So that $2 million, that estimate, by the way, is a little bit inflated. Um, I've learned uh, it's a little bit less than that. So that's things are rounded, you know, for conversation. So I don't want to say it's going to be $2 million. It's 1.75 or 1.75 to 1.90 is the real terms I've heard, if everybody actually answers their census. So again, I, I'm not quite certain why people don't. We send out mailers, we do phone calls, we do phone blasts, we do everything that we can. We send out videos, uh, we do marketing that way. Um, and people choose, for whatever reason, not to take that serious. So I would say, please, and I I go on every social media, uh, and, I, and this is another venue to, to say, please fill out that two-minute um, uh, two minute form via the computer or you can scan it, you can mail it in, you can walk into City Hall and do what we can you set you up with the computer. Uh, but that's important because it's money that's on the table. So every, everyone that that, we're estimating we have 10,000 more people, and that's a conservative estimate. That would be rounded down. That's We estimate we have 10,000 more people right now in Spring Hill than our 2020 census. The next one doesn't come for until 2030, so every 10 years. And so if we have 10,000 people more right now, let's, uh, let's just say $1.7 million times the next 10 years, that's a lot of money to left on the table. So that's why we're taking the special sense. And that is- What's that the biggest, What is the biggest complaint you hear as to why they don't want to do it or haven't done it? Or I'll get to it when I get to it. Is there some sort of artificial deadline they think is in their mind? So it's like, well, by Christmas, I'll for sure fill that two minute thing out. Why, why are they holding back? So there is there's a theory there are theories that are out there, but the point the complaint that I have heard specifically, other than a theory from citizens, is that well um, we went on the we went on the website and we couldn't get on, uh, and so I would say we could just try it again. Perhaps there was a, uh, a blink in the system, like when we came on the air today, we couldn't start right away because there was a you know, and so but we have we have made it as the people that do this for a living have made it as user-friendly um, as, and I did it online. It was, took me literally two minutes. Um, so I'm not certain why uh, the theory is, is that uh, that's out there is that this is another way that big brother is going to watch you. That's the theory. Oh, okay. not heard that specifically, but when we talk amongst ourselves, that's what uh, staff says. Well, people are just thinking that that's another way big brother. We, we're, we're not putting in, um, credit card numbers or bank accounts or nothing like that. It's simply your name, address, the names of the people that live in your house and the address you live in Spring Hill. That's it. And every person that's, every head, regardless of your age, if you're a one day old or 110 years old and everywhere in between is counted. We all carry the same uh, same value as far as money. And, um, and that money, the more the people that are, the more money that the city gets. And that is what I call a great, creative financing tool so you don't have to raise taxes. If you get all of that money over the next 10 years, that's taxes that didn't have to occur because we got free money from the state of Tennessee. Thank yeah. you.
All right, Mayor, we are out of time here. Thank you so much. Tell everyone uh, where they can go to follow you and um, if you have social media, uh, if you want to give a shout out to Kelly at Worldwide Stages, go for it. I know he's a big driver of growth in your town, but we are out of time. So so let's hear it. Thank you, thank you again, Steve, for having me. I, I will give a shout out to Kelly Frey at Worldwide Stages. She's the owner and CEO. That is one of the greatest companies that I've ever had an affiliation with. And it's right here in Spring Hills. So we are proud of that. Um, I'm not a real big, uh, one of the things that I lack as a, as a politician or as a servant, whatever, I'm not, I'm kind of technologically challenged. And so I don't keep up with my Facebook well, but I do have a Facebook page. And if you just type in Mayor Jim Hageman at Spring Hill, in Spring Hill, it will pop up. And awesome. Uh, that's, and, or you can email me or you can call me, you know, just on the city website and I'm good for that. I'm a civil servant. I'm absolutely 100% engaged in doing that. I'm absolutely believing the truth, integrity, honesty, man of faith. That's what holds me accountable. I love to serve the people regardless of whom you are. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for coming on. See you soon. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thank you. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof, look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com I don't Welcome to Steve and Steve's segment of our show. Producer Steve, what do you think of our guest? Well, I, I appreciated uh, all of he had to say. Um, I didn't get a chance to run our music, but that's okay. Um, uh, don't report. Anyway, nice to hear somebody who is working and uh, learned a lot about um, putting together a team. And he's exactly right. And just as a background, I did census taking. I did it in 2020. And I was, I called myself the uh, hot shot. Um, I'd go in after everybody couldn't get anybody to fill out their forms. I learned tricks because there's a way to do it. And you can, you can figure out how many people are in there and you just put how many people and say the rest of is not, a, not, you know, can't find out any more information, but there's five mm-hmm. people in that room. That house. You, big brother, big brother, Steve, right there. You're the, yes. you're the guy we talk yep. about all the time. <laughs> well, y'all may know by now, uh, but uh, one of my pet peeves, you know this, producer Steve, uh, so for anyone new, I haven't reached yet, total peeve is politicians that have been pounding the table and my eardrums saying, save our democracy, save our democracy, millionaires and billionaires, save our democracy is a is at stake. Bernie Sanders, Liz Dances with Wolves Warren, all of them say this. Well, for the billionth time, we are not a democracy. That doesn't exist. It's not in the Constitution anywhere. The word democracy. We are a republic. And the left loves to play with words until they have no meanings. 
here is a good teaching on what I'm talking about. It is a political system in which the people periodically, by majority vote at the polls, select their rulers. The rulers then have absolute power to make whatever laws they please by majority vote among themselves. In a constitutional republic, the people also, by majority vote at the polls, select rulers who make laws by majority vote among themselves. But the rulers cannot make any laws they please because the Constitution severely restricts their lawmaking power. The ideal of a democracy is universal equality. The ideal of a constitutional republic is individual liberty. In this century, great strides have been made toward the goal of subverting our republic and transforming it into a democracy. The foremost tactic of the subverters is subversion of language. By calling America a democracy until people thoughtlessly accept and use the term, totalitarians have obscured the real meaning of American principles of government. Writers of the Constitution were anxious to safeguard liberty against dictatorship, monarchy they called it. But their chief anxiety was to protect the country against democracy. Edmund Randolph, delegate to the Constitutional Convention from Virginia, said the general object of the convention was to provide a cure for the follies and fury of democracy. Elbridge Gerry and Roger Sherman, delegates from Massachusetts and Connecticut, urged the Constitutional Convention to create a system to eliminate the evils that flow from the excess of democracy. Alexander Hamilton, delegate from New York, said, We are now forming a Republican government. Real liberty is not found in democracy. If we incline too much to democracy, we shall soon shoot into a monarchy. John Adams, one of the giants of the American Revolutionary period, said, Democracy will envy all, contend with all, endeavor to pull down all. And when by chance it happens to get the upper hand for a short time, democracy will be revengeful, bloody, and cruel. America was founded not as a democracy, but as a constitutional republic. Wow, he does it right there. Right? Follies and furies, evils of excess of democracy. See, they didn't want it. The left does. Bloody and cruel is next. Today is February 6th. The space shuttle Columbia broke apart on February 1st, 2003, 21 years ago last week. While it was re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, killing all seven crew members, the disaster was caused by a piece of foam insulation that broke off the shuttle's propellant tank and damaged the edge of the shuttle's left wing. Let's listen to clip number two. Bitter cold, but sparkling clear morning at Cape Canaveral. Here at the last seconds of the countdown. Three, two, one, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. All the communications between the shuttle and mission control indicated everything was going fine. There was a sense of relief that the much-delayed flight was finally underway. Engines at 65%, three engines uh, running normally, three good fuel cells, three good APUs. Engines throttling up, three engines now at 104%. Challenger, go at throttle up. Challenger, go at throttle up. It happened just over one minute into flight. Velocity 2,900 feet per second, altitude 9 nautical miles, downrange distance 7 nautical miles. From mission control, silence. Yep. It was almost, oh, it was also almost Ronald Reagan's birthday today, February 6th. 
Ronald Wilson Reagan served as the 40th president of the United States from 1981 to 1989, a member of the Republican Party. His presidency constituted the Reagan era, and he is considered one of the most prominent conservative figures in American history. He'd have been 113 today. <laughs> uh, this is why he's considered to this day the great communicator. Listen to how he told a grieving nation their heroes were gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd planned to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. But the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the Shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers, but overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes. Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista Mikulov. We mourn their loss as a nation together. The families of the seven, we cannot bear as you do the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve, and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space, and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. There you go. Columbia was the first space shuttle to fly in space. Its first flight took place in April 1981 and it successfully completed 27 missions before the disaster. On its 28th flight, Columbia left Earth for the last time on January 16th, 2003. At the time, the shuttle program was focused on building the International Space Station. However, Columbia's final mission, known as STS-107, emphasized pure research. The seven-member crew, Rick Husband, Commander, Michael Anderson, Payload Commander, David Brown, Mission Specialist, Kalpana Chawla, Mission Specialist, Laurel Clark, Mission Specialist, William McCool, Pilot, and Ian Raymond, Payload Specialist from the Israeli Space Agency, had spent 24 hours a day doing science experiments in two shifts. They performed around 80 experiments in life sciences, material sciences, fluid physics, and other matters before beginning their return to Earth's surface. In 2015, the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Center opened the first NASA exhibit to display debris from both the Challenger and Columbia missions called Forever Remembered. The permanent exhibit shows part of Challenger's fuselage and window frames from Columbia. Personal artifacts from each of the 14 astronauts are also on display. The exhibit was created in collaboration with the families of the lost astronauts. The crew has received several tributes to their memory over the years. On Mars, the rover Spirit's landing site was ceremoniously named Columbia Memorial Station. Also, seven asteroids orbiting the sun between Mars and Jupiter now bear the crew's names. 
Commander Rick Husband would have been 66 this year on July 12th. He is also a recipient of the Congressional Space Medal of Honor, born in Amarillo, Texas, died over Texas. January 28th, 2024, statement from President Joe Biden. This is last month on attack on U.S. service members in northern Jordan near the Syrian border. Today, America's heart is heavy. Last night, three U.S. service members were killed and many wounded during an unmanned serial drone attack on our forces stationed in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. While we are still gathering the facts of this attack, we know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq. Jill and I Join the families and friends of our fallen and Americans across the country in grieving the loss of these warriors in this despicable and wholly unjust attack. These service members embodied the very best of our nation, unwavering in their bravery, unflinching in their duty, unbending in their commitments to our country, risking their own safety for the safety of their fellow Americans and our allies and partners with whom we stand in the fight against terrorism. It is a fight we will not cease. The three American service members we lost were patriots in the highest sense, and their ultimate sacrifice will never be forgiven by our nation. Together, we will keep the sacred obligation we bear to their families. We will strive to be worthy of their honor and valor. We will carry on their commitment to fight terrorism and have no doubt we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. Hmm, let's listen to this clip. Uh, obviously, our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three brave, of, uh, three folks who are who are military folks who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people, obviously more so, more importantly, uh, we lost those souls, as the president said yesterday when he was in South Carolina. Oops, the truth just slipped out, Steve. They're yep. fighting for the administration. was ripped for saying that the three U.S. troops killed in Jordan died fighting for the administration. No, for the American flag, for the American people, for the Constitution, for the United States of America. What an embarrassment. She <laughs> called them folks. They're not folks. They're heroes. <clears throat> Reagan said, your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truth. They wished this to serve, and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us, but for 25 years, the United States Space Program has been doing just that. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer, Sir Francis Drake, died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and an historian later said... He lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was like Drake's complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us by the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye <clears throat> and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. They were Marines that died, heroes, not folks. Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, 46, of Carrollton, Georgia. Special Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders, 24, of Waycross, Georgia. And Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt, 23, of Savannah, Georgia, died on January 28, 2024, in Jordan. Let's play this clip. Last night, we 
this. We lost three brave souls in an attack on one of our base. Yeah. And uh, I asked if you could silence for all three of those small souls. Okay. So that was our commander in chief, condolent giving condolences to one of the families that were lost, uh, telling them that his son was killed in Iraq, which wasn't true, and uh, really not doing a very good job. Um, pretty amazing. We shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until, in God's good time, the new world, with all its powers and might, stepped forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old Winston Churchill. The comedy act of Joe and Corinne Jean-Pierre are no Winston. This is serious business. Today is February 6th, Ronald Reagan's 113th birthday, born February 6th, 1911, Tampico, Illinois, the party of Lincoln, from the land of Lincoln. I miss Reagan bumper sticker used to uh, be on the, the Mill Creek View window office when we had an office in Washington State. Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. Hi, this is Glenn Sanderfer, author of The Middle Ground, How to Get Great Dating Outcomes in a Modern World. And you are listening to the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. Hey, this is Jeff, the Godpreneur Guy, author of I Am, I Have, here today with the Mill Creek View Tennessee podcast. Welcome to the show. Time for my quotes for the day. Before I share, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to Mill Creek View Podcast. Just go to Rumble or Spotify or iTunes, search for Mill Creek View and hit the subscribe button. And I really hope you like it. And it, you can join the conversation at Mill Creek View on Twitter and Facebook anytime. When the burden of the presidency seems unusually heavy, I always remind myself it could be worse. It could be a mayor, Lyndon B. Johnson. Producer Steve, you think the listeners know who or remember Magic Johnson? Uh, I think we all know who he is, basketball okay. guy. Yeah, often regarded as the greatest point guard of all time, 13 seasons with the Lakers, got himself HIV. Well, here's the joke. Magic Johnson, former basketball player, may run for mayor of Los Angeles in the next election. Remember the good old days when only qualified people ran for office, like actors and professional wrestlers? <laughs> Jay Leno. Think people remember Jay Leno? Yes. All right, replace Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show if you know who Johnny Carson is. Uh, as mayor, I used to always feel the important thing is that people respect me, not love me, but it's really much nicer when they love you too. I'm going to try to keep it that way. Rudy Giuliani. I don't think he'd like what's happening in New York City these days under Mayor Adams. I hope to ask him on the show sometime. Next, as mayor of San Francisco, I will provide the vision and work hard to make San Francisco a beautiful, well-planned city with excellent housing and transportation options. Gavin Newsom. Oops, 
Newsom was San Francisco's mayor from January 2004 to January 2011. San Francisco's overall count from June 2017 to October 2018 placed the total homeless at 7,499. That's 1,044 higher than Newsom's final month as mayor. Now, as governor, 181,399 unhoused Californians, 28% of the nation's total homeless population. That's up nearly 40% from five years ago. Good job, Gavin. And on his birthday, live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, leave the rest to God. Ronald Reagan. Okay, Gipper, I will. God bless and rest your soul. We didn't deserve you. This is it for this episode. Thank you, Mayor Jim Hageman of Spring Hill, Tennessee, for reminding us all politics really is local, as Tip O'Neill said, Speaker of the House during the Reagan era. This is goodbye for now. I'm your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the MCView.us. See y'all tomorrow. Country music legend Toby Keith died last night at 62 after his battle with cancer. A truly unforgettable performance by Toby of Don't Let the Old Man In at the 2023 People's Choice Country Awards will take us home. Peace in our time and definitely glory to God. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. Don't let the old man in I want to live me some more Can't leave it up to him He's knocking on my door And I knew all of my life That someday it would Get up and go outside Don't let the old man in Yeah, many moons I have lived Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.